Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Uniquely Better Life podcast, Stories of Hope and Recovery, hosted by the Willow Center. Uh, my name is Chase Cotton. I'm the director here at the Willow Center, and I am thankful to have my friend Connor Burkhart here uh, for episode three. Uh, we always start our episodes uh, by sharing a quick mental health or recovery tip. And so today's tip is play the tape through. Any 12-steppers who are listening will recognize this one immediately. Play the tape through is a concept in which you can help manage uh, the thoughts that are attached to having a craving or when you're triggered to crave a substance. Um, oftentimes we uh, have that craving and we don't always play the tape all the way through. We just think about the immediate hit, the immediate relief of, of getting high again or getting drunk again, but we don't think about all the repercussions and play the tape all the way through, meaning um, what will happen with my job if I use, what will happen with my family if I use, what will happen with my friends if I use. Playing the tape all the way through every single time you have that thought related to a craving can help us manage the thought life around cravings in general. So that's a great tip just to hang on to. All right, we'll play some intro music and then we'll get started. Again, welcome to the Uniquely Better Life podcast, Stories of Hope and Recovery, Episode 3. I am so thankful to have Connor Burkhart here to share his story of hope and recovery. Connor, why don't you introduce yourself and just dive right in. Uh, how's it going? Uh, my name's Connor. Um, I guess I'm now alumni of the Willow Center. Um, so a little bit about my story. So I wanted to, I had an idea of what I wanted to talk about and um, not and not to go all the way back to the beginning. Uh I think, I think that story's told a lot, and most of us, um, you know, I'm definitely, uh, I definitely identify as uh, an addict in recovery. So I think a lot of us have the same story in the beginning. Um, we all get to a point of complete desperation where we need to seek help. I kind of wanted to talk a little bit because I was in recovery. Um, I had almost two years clean. Okay. Uh, just shy of two years. And then, so I kind of wanted to pick up a little bit on that, what happened uh, in kind of like in my relapse. Sure. Um, Cause I think that's, I, I, I think that's important because I think with a lot of people um, and definitely myself, after I had some of that time clean, I, I let up on a lot of the things that was keeping me clean. Mm, sure. Um, and then I, you know, and then I just felt, I, I mean, and, First of all, I, I got disconnected. Um, so, and I know if anyone's been in, you know, recovery and relapse situations, the, the story's also, also very typical. Yeah. Um, and when you say disconnected, you mean like disconnected from community? Yes. I, I mean, I stopped, you know, I work a 12 step program. Um, I have lots of friends in recovery. Um, and I have a spiritual connection, something that I have to, you know, that I work on on a daily basis. Yeah. And I went a lot just back on how am I going to do this today? I didn't, mm -hmm. I stopped reaching out. Um, I stopped being spiritually fit. Yeah. I just, I stopped all that stuff. Um, and then, then all of a sudden I was just left with 
me and, and I always say I was left with the last person I got high with was myself. Oh, wow. You yeah, know, that's so a powerful and, way to put it. Yeah. And so left to my own devices, I tend to not make the best decisions. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, at that disconnect, you know, a part of my program was meetings, calling my sponsor, hanging out with other people in recovery. Right. And I went to the isolation. Um, I stopped doing and is so I have a I have a checklist. As I walk out of my bedroom, I have a checklist, things that I should do. What's on your checklist? I'm curious. So, uh, so first, it starts out with a daily meditation reading. Um, I can usually get that in while I'm getting ready in the morning. Yeah. Um, and then it's, you know, like I, I was saying before, I have, I have a bit of a drive. Um, so recovery literature on tape mm-hmm. is a great thing uh, for me to get my mind set for the day. Yeah. Because um, I, I don't always wake up with this mindset of, okay, I'm in recovery. I have to work my recovery. Right. Um, I need, I need to be reminded on a daily basis, um, that I have to do things for myself to keep myself in this, uh, well-balanced, you know, mindset, you know, spiritually, physically fit where I can then tackle the day. Right. Um, so I have that meditation, I have reaching out, um, and then it goes along as, you know, reading literature, um, spending time with my family, mm-hmm. making a meeting, just all these things. And then, I also, you know, I leave room for other stuff because sure. re- I know recovery is important, but it can't be all consuming all the time. Right. Um, I, had, I feel that, I, you know, I need to find a balance. I need to leave room for recreation. I need, yeah. <laughs> you know, no, just, I think that's a common misconception too, that like recreation can't be part of your recovery. Right. Right. That's half the fight is like learning how to f- have fun while sober again. You right. Know? Yeah. And gosh, I, I mean, I, cause I was thinking about that and you know, I, I play softball with the Willow center here Yeah. and that's just, that's just a huge thing because I have to find, I have to find ways to have fun again. Right. I mean, um, I, associated fun with one thing and one thing only Yeah. for the longest time. You know, I'll be, I'll be 40 this year. Um, and I started using at the age of 13. Mm-hmm. So that whole time in my life, I said, when I'm sad, I use when I'm happy. I use yeah. when I want to celebrate. I use when that I you know everything coping skill. That was all it. emotion. Yeah, yeah. That's all. I mean, that's all I had. That's, that's what I had. Um, so yeah, so finding fun, you know, going to the gym is if I find that fun or going on a hike, yeah. um, you know, and I love spending time with my daughter. That is fun, but doing stuff like the, the will center softball. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fun. We go out there and we have a blast right. and it's just great. You meet other people in recovery. So other things on that list, um, you know, and there's also, there's a huge thing with, uh, I find a lot of other things I need in my life have to be structured. Okay. Um, um, not that I'm a hardcore, I'm definitely not a hardcore fitness fit guy or do I watch everything that I eat? Um, but I feel, uh, being, you know, spiritually, emotionally, and physically sound, I have to take in a lot of other considerations. Right. Um, cause I will find my, if I'm not paying attention and this is one of the great things that I found in recovery is I have this awareness now. Mm. Um, stuff doesn't just blow by me and I don't pay attention to it. Yeah. Um, but I have to be aware of, all right, because I could, I can sit down and this, this might not be a problem for some people, but it's a problem for me. And I've, mm-hmm. I've had to, you know, I'm aware of this. I can sit down and I open up a thing of Oreos 
I will eat the entire thing. <laughs> you and me both, Connor. I, you know oh, what? I will word. eat the entire thing. Clean those sleeves up. Yeah, just <laughs> eat it up. And I'll be full and I'll eat it till I'm sick. Yep. Or and so and not that that's not that that's the worst thing in the world because it's not. But I will. Or it's not helpful. Yeah, that's it's for not sure. helpful. It's right. It's not. Ha- but see, with me, I've identified it as it's also a way for me to escape feelings. Ah. So since I've identified that and I know that it's a thing, eating a couple, that's fine. If I can do that, I'm, I don't sure. know. I can't always do that. So then it becomes now I've eaten this a pint of ice cream. I've eaten all this stuff. Um, now there's shame and guilt that's attached to it for me. Yeah. Um, so that becomes a problem. <laughs> right. Um, that self-awareness isn't something we would typically have when we're in active addiction. No, I don't, I don't have like, yeah, there's no awareness for me when, um, usually. So when I am in active addiction, you can tell it physically main because of the look. Um, I always, I always become slightly overweight and I'm just not healthy. I'm not, I get to that animalistic level that they talk about Mm -hmm. very quickly for the survival only. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of that. Uh, so part of my relapse was a lot of that, uh, you know, as I started using and I disconnected from all that stuff that I would do on a daily basis, daily routine, it was, you know, it was gone. Yeah. I mean, I know at some point I had to rip it off the wall because I didn't want to see it anymore because of the shame and the guilt that was now attached. Right. Um, because even after being in recovery, I knew better. Sure. I didn't have. <laughs> so before when I first, you know, in, in early active addiction, I think I was able to play uh, the ignorant card. Sure. Um, after being in recovery, I've, I've taken that away. Yeah. I know better. I know the solution. Right. Um, and you've so, learned some of the skills it takes to help you part of the solution yourself. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, in, in some aspects, I do believe after being in recovery and going back out has its own, has its own set of problems. Right. Um, not to say that it's worse. Um, it's definitely problems that don't get talked about much though. Yeah. You know, I feel like, like you, you started like oftentimes the story you hear is, it's just the desperation, the initial, here's why I used, here's the trauma I went through, et cetera, which is important to talk about. But in the greater recovery community, yeah, relapse is just, it's almost like a, the black guy people don't want to see. Yeah. <laughs> and it is part of the story. Yes. I, and I, yeah, I, I totally think that. And I know, and so I've been around the recovery community for a while. Yeah. Um, so my first, my first shot ever at recovery was back in 2013. Okay. And then like, uh, you know, my story goes, I get a little bit of time and then I would, I guess I just, I wasn't fully ready. Sure. Um, and then I got to that point where I thought, you know, I was fully ready. I 100%, I was in both feet. Right. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I stepped away. Um, you know, and I, I've heard that a lot, even, even coming here at the Willow Center. Um, cause I think for a long time, I just thought the opposite of addiction was just recovery. Right. Um, but I have definitely come to learn and I've come to appreciate that that is for me, that's not the case. Sure. That whole opposite of addiction is that connection piece. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've come to adapt to that and I, I really appreciate that. Um, because I'm, I'm for myself, I'm going to be better off with, with other people that are doing the same thing, like-minded people, that whole being with like-minded people, um, connecting. Cause I, when in active addiction, that's when I'm the most isolated. Right. Um, and that 
was a big thing for me when I went back out um, because I was trapped in this. I was trapped in this. I didn't want the people I knew in recovery to know I was using. Right. And then I really didn't want the people that thought I was clean that I used to use with know that I was back using again. Right. So it was dark. Like, I mean, that's like, it's like double the isolation. Yeah, it was, I, I couldn't, I couldn't bear to be around anything or anyone, you know, it was. That's hard, man. Yeah, it was, it was go to work, get home, shut that door behind me, draw the blinds. And then, yeah. And then I would, you know, proceed to (laughs) really just decimate everything that I had worked for. Sure. Which didn't take long. Yeah. Um, I feel like I came a long way in, in those two years of being clean and within a matter of months, um, I had, I got back to, uh, I wasn't allowed to see my daughter. Yeah. I lost the roof over my head. I had no money. I was just, and then, then that emotional, spiritual bankruptcy that you hear about, right. I was just like, there I was again on my floor of my apartment crying. Yeah. Like, oh, it was just, it's hard. That was so hard. Um, and it made it even harder to to reach out because of the shame and guilt. It kept me out there a lot longer than I needed to be, especially when I knew better. Right. All I had to do was pick up a phone, call somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just, I, I have a question about that shame yeah. and guilt. If mm-hmm. you'll permit me, do you feel like, um, during that, that, that season of relapse, the, the shame and guilt was perpetuated by some of those folks in recovery, or do you feel it was more, it was more self-taught more of that negative self-talk? I, th- I think it was all, it was, that was all in my head, yeah. right? All that shame and that guilt was all, was all me and my ego, right? Sure. I didn't, cause I've never, I've never been at a meeting where, uh, someone has come back after a relapse and wasn't completely open, you know, welcome back in open arms. Right. Everyone's always like, glad you made it back. Glad to see you back. That took a lot to come back and get that, you know, welcome back, start over chip, welcome key tag, you know, whatever program you're in. Right. Um, so it was all, it was me and my, it was me and my disease and my ego, uh, just keeping me out there sitting in that Mm -hmm. shame and guilt. Um, yeah, like I saying, when I knew better. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, that, Stuff like that, you know, I always like, I think I'm, I'm fortunate to know that, you know, I, I know I have a problem. I know I have this disease of addiction. Sure. Um, I was, I was sitting in group and I was on my last group and I was like, I don't have to, I'm not at that point, which I'm grateful for that. I don't have to, I don't have to figure that out anymore. Yeah. Um, it's pretty evident of where I'm at (laughs) with all that kind of stuff. So for that, um, I'm kind of grateful. And I mean, and if it wasn't for places, um, like the will center, I wouldn't, I mean, I would have never got there. Yeah. I would have, I would have never known how to get back. Um, yeah. And I kind of wanted to, I, I wanted to talk about the, uh, ex- coming back into recovery, how, you know, instrumental the Willow center was for me. Uh, yeah. You know, cause that also a lot of times, you know, I hear that, uh, the teacher doesn't appear until the student is ready. Mm. So sometimes, I mean, you'll get, you know, you don't know if you're there yet, um, but places and like here, that seed is planted. Right. So if anywhere down the road again, you realize, or you may think you have a problem, at least you were here. Right. Yeah. And you, you know, know, there's something you can fall back. Yeah. On. There's something you could fall back on. And I was really, when I first 
so when I first came into the Wilson, I, so I was pushed back into recovery. Yeah. Um, there was an incident where I had, you know, it was, I was making a decision. Was I going to get help or was I going to lose my job? Yeah. Um, and I knew about the Willow Center because I had a friend in recovery who used to work here and spoke very highly. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, okay, yeah, let's go check out the Willow Center. And I did not get clean the first day I got here. Sure. I did. That's not how it worked. And I, I still had a lot of physical symptoms that I was having trouble getting over. Right. Um, but with the help of the people here at the Willow Center and then um, I was pushed. So I was pushed to a decision. Yeah. Um, but I was really grateful that you guys allowed me to make this decision. Yeah. Um, it, it was, you know, and you, you'd offered all the help in the world. Um, some of the people that offered to take me up to detox. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, at the time, um, uh, my counselor, uh, Madeline, when she was here, she got me on the phone and she just would talk me through it. She's like, uh, you know, we got to put you at a crossroads because right. I was given leeway. So I was put at a crossroads. Um, either we tell work or you tell work. Right. And then I, I, I mean, and I knew that decision had to be made. Um, right. So I was really grateful for that. Um, because if I wasn't in, if I w wasn't enrolled here, I might still be out there. Sure. Um, so yeah, I'm really grateful for that. And that autonomy is so important, right? Like I think, um, you know, it's it's there. There are many routes and pathways to recovery, and they're all valid, right? But like, I feel like regardless of the route, there's always that point where you have to choose it. Yeah, you know? right. Whether it's a choice between work or what um, or whatnot, but there's always that choice, that autonomy that, mm -hmm. that you know you would hope you're given by wherever you're at. So I, I don't. Know, I appreciate and admire the humility it takes to number one, like be able to self-reflect in the way that you have and see like sort of the steps that it took and, and um, you know, sort of the village that it took, if you will, to get you to that place to make that choice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I like that, you know, and I didn't, I didn't even think of it as that way as this uh, autonomous decision that I had to make. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's totally what it was. Right. Cause I could have went, I could have said, nah, I'll go, I'll lose my, I'll leave my job and I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Right. Um, but yeah, I think it was a, it was a maybe clever, say a clever way to get me to make that decision sure. by myself. But yeah, I mean, it's, that was one of, that was one of those points in my life where I'm making a decision with the help of people who care. Right. Um, that, I mean, very well saved my life. Yeah. You know, in so many different ways because I still work where I work and mm -hmm. I love working for them. Um, and I'm a huge part of being a father into my daughter's life. Yeah. Um, which if I went the other way that none of that would have happened. Right. Yeah. So definitely incredibly grateful for that. Absolutely. So tell us about, uh, you know, where you're at now, sort of like what your next steps are. You've, you've completed treatment. What, what's next? Um, so what's next? So, I like this. I have this optimism now. Okay. <laughs> when I, you know, when for I, for those who are listening, the man smiles yeah. damn near all the time, <laughs> <laughs> but I, that wasn't, so it's really, it's, so when I first got here, not the case, right? Right. Um, so now I have, I can look to the future, um, with, with this optimism and hope. Um, so I'm going to continue and it's, and I'm not, 
I'm not forced to do this. So I signed up for the recovery management here. Nice. Um, so I'm still going to do that because I, this is, has obviously been an integral part of me um, getting clean and being in my recovery process this time. So I want to stay tethered. Right. You know, um, so I'm going to do the recovery management and, you know, I'm back in the 12 step meetings that I go to and I'm doing that That's on great. a regular basis. Yeah. And I just, uh, I'm implementing a lot of the things that I learned. Uh, like, so for me, a huge thing, all right, boundaries. I learned about boundaries here and, yeah. uh, this idea that I'm going to journal my feelings and I'm mm -hmm. not, you know, and I'm talking to other people in recovery and, you know, and I get, I get to work where I work at. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, sky's the limit at this point and it all starts with being clean today. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I know that. Um, so yeah. Um, that's awesome. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Like if, if you could narrow it down to, a single thing, a single item of wisdom that you feel like you've taken away, especially in the second half of your recovery journey. Like what would that lesson be? What's the main takeaway for you? Um, so I would think, so for me today, there's this, uh, there's this idea of me getting out of the way. Hmm. Um, and this surrender to the stuff that I've, that I've learned. Um, because I'm not, I'm not going to say that, in these, these first five months, it hasn't always been incredibly easy to stay clean. Yeah. Um, and then I know if I, if I let it just noodle around upstairs, um, and I try to think my way out of that first use, yeah, I'm going to lose that battle. Yeah. You know, so I need to get, I need to, I need to stop. I need mm -hmm. to stop that. And this whole idea of surrender to me and getting out of the way would then be reaching out. I, you know, I can call over here, be like, ask for a one-on-one -on -one or reach out to other people that I know in recovery, make a meeting, um, or occupy myself. Um, you know, that whole idea that, that these cravings, they're not going to take up my whole day. Right. Um, sometimes a distraction is good enough. Yeah. You know, then we underestimate the power of boredom sometimes. In yeah. Recovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. And I like because that's that whole other, let's have fun in recovery. Yeah. Um, idle hands. <laughs> yeah, idle hands. Yeah, <laughs> yes, indeed. So, w what do you feel like hope means to you? Because uh, the word you use was optimism, which is just abundantly clear. Like you can tell, you have this positive energy when you walk into a room or when you walk into the dugout of the softball field, and it it just kind of emanates from you, and it's contagious for others. To me, that is evidence that you have hope. So, like, how would you describe that hope? Um. So. I guess how would I describe the hope would, would just be, um, that when I wake up, so when I wake up every day, um, I don't have this set path anymore, mm -hmm. right? It's not finding ways and means to, to get more. That's to me, that's, that's void of hope. Yeah. Um, I now have, I have hope. So to me, hope is now I have this, um, I have all these choices, mm -hmm. I have all these choices I can make on a daily basis. Um, and I could take my life where, where I see fit. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not governed by a substance anymore. Um, yeah. So it's, to me, that's the biggest hope. I love that. Just the abundance of opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful, Connor. So for the listener that, that might be tuning into this episode who is struggling, maybe they're in active addiction right now, or, you know, maybe they're, they, they align and, and parallel to some of your story. Maybe they've been in recovery and they've recently relapsed. 
what would you tell them? What advice would you give them? Um, advice. I would just, I mean, that definitely that, so everyone, and I'm going to, I'm going to totally take this from someone else because it helps me. Hey, that's all right. Um, that, so if I'm talking to someone, I would tell them that they are worth more than the life that they're living now. Mm. Um, and the way out, I mean, sometimes all you have to do is reach your hand out and ask for help. Yeah. And I think sometimes that, that seems to be hard to do. Right. But that's also seems to be the easiest way out. Yeah. I love that. You are worth more than the life you're living right now and reaching out for help. That's what you can do. Connor, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome, Chase. It's an honor to uh, just just receive your story, and and it's an honor to to know that the Willis Center played a small role in that. Um, So thank you for your willingness to share, and I I speak on behalf of all the listeners of the podcast. I I know it's going to be a blessing to them, too, and give them some hope. So we appreciate your willingness, and we wish you the best in your recovery, man. Thank you, and I will say that being able to come here on this podcast and share my story has kept me clean one more day. Yeah, I dig that. So thank you all for, for tuning in to Uniquely Better Life podcast. Uh, you just listened to Connor Burkhart's story of hope and recovery. Um, go ahead and, and, and tune back into to episode two and episode one if you missed it. Um, those are great stories, Whitney's story and Aaron's story. And we'll be back next month with episode number four. I've, I've been your host, Chase Cotton, with the Willow Center. Thanks a lot.